Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Twit News, episode 391, recorded Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. Talk an Android with Google at I.O. 2023. Twit News is brought to you by ACI Learning. IT skills are outdated in about 18 months. Stay ahead of the curve and future-proof your business's competitiveness with customizable, entertaining training. Fill out the form at go.acilearning.com slash twit to get more information on a free two-week training trial for your team. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Google I.O. 2023. We are, well, we're outside of the Shoreline Amphitheater where Google I.O. has happened this morning. I'm Jason Howell, Wintuit Dow, Ron Richards. Great to be here after here many years. Of, this is my first I.O. since like 2015 to be in wow. person, so I'm very excited. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> it's a great reason for everybody to meet up at the mm-hmm. same place. We had a lot of fun on All About Android last night, and uh, we're having a lot of fun today because we're sitting down with Dave Burke, VP of Engineering. Hey, Android and Samir Samat, VP of Product Management. And we just always look forward to this opportunity. So first and foremost, thank you for giving us some some of your time. And I have to say, like, you finished the keynote like an hour, hour and a half ago, maybe. And here you are sitting down at a table with us. So I feel incredibly fortunate for is that. Is the adrenaline oh, still pumping? Or is it, have we come down a little? Start, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I might like fall. So how, how did you feel about it? How did you, uh, the show, from um, the audience standpoint, it was great. But yeah. It's nice I, to be back. It's yeah. nice to be back. I mean, that's that's the summary. I, I like, you know, I feel, I feel like if there's one thing we've learned the last couple of years is that, you know, these in-person, event, in-person events where we can all be together again are just so unique and special. And so... For me this year, I was like, well, if I'm going to do IO, I want to go all in on live demos because that's what people come for, right? And they, you know, they, they kind of like get excited with you uh, when it works and they maybe commiserate when it doesn't and they feel the tension. And so, so I, I don't, I had a lot of fun today. We just demoed a lot. Did you do live demos? I missed it. I'm just kidding. Yeah, Dave Dave had quite a few live demos. I think he, he has the dubious uh, distinction uh, uh, of coming back in two IO segments mm. to do demos. Um, I don't think we've ever had anyone else do that. So, yeah, but it all went well. So demo gods. I was going to say yeah, good. Good. Yeah. it all worked out. All right. Yeah, really I mean, well. I'm sure you have, a, you both have enough experience that you, you go into those, no matter how prepared you feel with trepidation, because you, anything I, could possibly I had happen. A plan A, plan C, a plan, no, plan A, B, C, and then plan D was my personal device, my back pocket. I was gonna, <laughs> no, that works. And plan E is uh, to run screaming out of the room, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> your hands over your head. Yeah, it all, all went really well. It all, it all, it all worked out. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I think if it wasn't abundantly clear, the overarching theme, and you know, we talked about this last night on the shows, like if we had to guess what we're going to see tomorrow, I mean, there was no guessing. There was, there was no question. It was going to be artificial intelligence. Um, and I think there's so many announcements around AI that maybe just from a, a broad kind of view of the, of, of what you guys are bringing to the table here, it really felt like the story and correct me if I'm wrong is that generative AI is here and here's how it plays into our products. Because when I think of something like ChatGPT, I think of this destination I have to go to in order to use it. But Google is basically bringing that AI into the products that we're all already using. Would you say that's a fair assessment that that's, that's yeah. kind of like the, the story of AI with Google, right? I now? think that's right. I think that's right. I think like, you know, you just step back for a minute, you know, AI is something that Google's invested a lot in over the years. And, uh, you know, a friend of, a friend of mine asked me recently, he was like, why, why is it all suddenly like, why did it suddenly take off in the last six months and what happened? And, uh, 
you know, I think of it as like a trifecta. Uh, um, so three things. So it's, it's, you know, more data. I mean, we all have an intuition for that. Oh yeah, more data, more compute. We all have an intuition for that because we like, we see our phones are faster and our laptops are faster, but the real difference is, is the models got better. That's what calls that sort of nonlinear shift. Um, and the model, the key, there were really two models that have really made the difference. One is transformer models and the other one is uh, our diffusion models. And actually these are things that we worked on at Google, you know, quite early on. And actually, you know, Google researchers published the original transformer paper and we can learn out all on it if you want, but let, I won't go too deep on it. But I, but it's really kind of ushered in this whole like generative AI sort of um, uh, era, if you like, and uh, and we've been using it a lot. Like so, if you if you use search and you you type in a very esoteric query, you'll actually it will sort of bypass all the caches and you'll hit what we call BERT, which is uh, it's actually an encoder. It trans it's like a transformer encoder, um, and so we've been deploying these technologies for quite a long time. Um, but I think, it, you know, deploying them in a generative form is something that we haven't done as much of, right? And so I think that's what you see at, at, at today's keynote. And um, I mean, there's a range of stuff from um, workspace to the search generative experiences to the things we showed on Android. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty, pretty exciting, you know. Yeah. And, and I think, I think it's exactly what you said, though. The opportunity I think that we've always seen with this kind of technology is uh, the technology is super cool. We want to make it available for developers to use. They'll build amazing things with it. But you know, there's so many developers inside Google who build products that we all depend on every day. How can those products get better with this technology? Mm -hmm. right? And so I think what we wanted to do today was to showcase not just the technology, but also how the technology comes into each and every one of those products that we all use. And what can it do for me? You know, because that is, I think, a thing that, you know, people are curious about is, you know, like, okay, I've heard a lot about it. I played with these chatbot things and they're cool. Like I can definitely see things I can do, but like how... What what's the big deal? Like, how's it really going to change? Well, I love the the Gmail example that 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 Aparna and Dave showed, where you know you can ask, you can write a very short, terse prompt, and it'll generate the email for you. I mean, who the doesn't write? Yeah, who doesn't think that they're going to use that like right. every day? You know, um, and and so there's so many just possibilities. Um, so I was really excited about how we showcased some of that, and then I think with Android, we wanted to kind of keep it a little lighter, and you know, we were working on a whole roadmap of stuff. Um, you know, some we can probably hint at today, but I think the things that we showed, um, you know, we wanted to keep it a little bit lighter and just also show that AI can be fun and, and, uh, and help you just express yourself in creative and interesting ways. So, you know, obviously Dave showed what you can do with uh, messages by Google and just like rewriting what you're about to say to somebody. And then also the generative wallpapers, which are just neat, you know, and I think mm -hmm. really relatable. So that was, that was the goal of today. So in my experience, so much of the conversation with AI has been like, Oh, the robots are coming. They're going to take my job and all this sort of stuff. And, and it's interesting to see, and like what we're talking about is the application of how you take this technology and like the, the wallpaper is a great example. It's like, I love San Francisco. Let me press a button and get a, yeah. a, a illustrative way of it. And I feel like that kind of helps bridge the gap between this kind of like fear of AI versus yeah. where it's no different than the code. You know, it's just another way to do the stuff we do on our phones. So, yeah. yeah. I like, yeah, I like how you, you said that because, you know, for us, you know, so I was nerding out a little bit earlier about like diffusion models and transform models and all that stuff. But actually the hard part in my view is like, how do you make this approachable, right? And relatable and fit for purpose and, and honestly safe. You got to be careful because like, so like think about the generative AI wallpaper, the way it works, there's structure prompts, you pick the different options you generate. We could have had an open text box, but an open text box is not approachable because it's like, here's a blank canvas, draw something. You're like, ah, uh, get creative. They're creative. Yeah. 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 Something. Create. 
Um, and then also like there's a safety aspect to it. Well, okay, what well, what the hell can I create? Is that even going to be safe for work kind of thing? So we're safe for my kids. And so, um, you know, I think the, the solution we came up with, it seems kind of obvious in retrospect, but like when you we were thinking of all the different types of ways, we, internally we call it Mad Libs, by the way, where you have these like drop downs. Nice. Um, but, uh, but I think the idea is like very simple and it, it's what Samir was getting at. It's like, it's applying this stuff and figuring out how to apply it. Um, and actually, you know, honestly, this is like such an exciting time. Like this is the perfect like, being on Android and this time in, in computing history is just like perfect because we have all of this amazing set of like algorithms, technologies, infrastructure, and then we have all of these surfaces and user problems. And so, um, honestly, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I know like the operative word a lot in like the zeitgeist is generative, but mm -hmm. watching the keynotes, both the kind of main keynote and the developer keynote, I couldn't help but, and I, this is corporate speak, maybe in my bad, but synthesis, like mm -hmm. a lot of it is just bringing together yeah. different tools. And I think, I know you talked about maybe like letting people like myself, developers kind of see the possibilities of it. And for, I guess most of our viewers aren't necessarily watching the developer keynote, but something I was surprised about was that even AI and like, there, there's going to be an Android studio chatbot, mm -hmm. And that feels like the like epitome of a synthesis where, Hey, like here are these different resources. Here's things that you usually look up. Yeah. Let the, let the bot kind of like do yeah, things do for you. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I am super excited about Android studio bot. We, we had it in the developer keynote and I mean, it really could have like, held its own in the, in the consumer, even because it's, it sort of, it taps into your imagination and it, it makes programming, I think more, um, uh, accessible. But if you think about what you're, what, what it's actually doing. So, you know, today or yesterday, <laughs> everything's changing so fast, but yesterday <laughs> you would be in Android studio and you'd be like, you know, coding along and you're like, ah, oh, a curse and a lot of curse uh uh dough uh like how do i do this thing and so you would go to like developer.android.com or uh, frankly you'd go to stack overflow and you would sort of go to these resources and you'd search and you sort of look at the results is that what i want and maybe it is Co copy and paste take some pieces like clean it up or whatever now you just go to the to your point like you go to studio bot and you're like hey i got this er like there's an error in the compiler in the kotlin compiler click what is this and it will tell you what it is and how to fix it or you could be, you could say, hey, I'm I'm stuck in this point. Tell me how to do this, and it will just give you the code. And you press a button. It's syntax beautifully syntactically highlighted, and then you press a button and it inserts the code for you. And so it's just it's sort of it, it basically just makes that whole process so much easier because the information is encoded in the foundational model. Um, and so we've done a ton of work in like um, pre, in fine tuning that and like figuring out how to make it seamless. And then you know coming back to this, you know this technology, like I was talking about safety earlier. The, I mean, you also have to think about like okay, so I work in an enterprise. I don't want that code, leave it. You know, that's my my company's code. I don't know what my what the rights are for that to leave the IDE. And so we had mm. to think through all that about not sharing the code. And so um, I think what's interesting, like for, from a product management point of view today is like how do you have to think through all these different angles that are new. Um, but uh, yeah, but yeah, StudioBot. And I think StudioBot's kind of like that, as you said, synthesis. It's in that genre of like, uh, you know, sort of a, a co-pilot or whatever you want to call it, an assistant or, you know, it's helping you and it works really well. Um, uh, yeah. All right, real quick, I'm going to butt into this interview and thank uh, ACI Learning. Twit News is brought to you by ACI Learning, of course. You know IT Pro offers engaging and enjoyable IT training to level up your career or organization. And now IT Pro is a part of ACI Learning. With expanded reach and production capabilities, you're going to receive customizable training at any stage of development so you can future-proof your business, retain top talent, and upskill teams using 
bringing ACI Learning's wonderful content and its team of dedicated account managers. Your enterprise needs cohesive, cutting-edge training to keep your team compliant and ahead of the pack. Choose an existing course, let them combine modules for a tailored solution, or just have them custom design a course to address your specific needs. You can fill out a form at go.acilearning.com slash twit to get more information on our free two-week training trial for your team. And we thank them for their support. Now, back to the interview. I mean, there were a few examples given today, and we've certainly heard this about generative AI, um, you know, earlier than today, about the ability of these generative AI systems to write code. And I guess where, where my mind ends up, and we, we joked about this a little bit, it's like, oh, I'm a developer too. I can go to, you know, Bard and, and plug in what I want and I get code. I'm a developer. Yay. But what do you, what do you think about how tools like this actually transform the role of a developer? Because I mean, it does kind of, cha- it does kind of move the goalposts as far as what it, what it takes to be a developer. Sure. You need to have developer chops and I'm not saying yeah. a system like this is going to completely replace developers, but it does alter the needs, the requirement of that developer uh, and, and their knowledge on a, to a certain degree. Maybe it propels them to another level, but what are your thoughts on that? Like, how does it impact well, that? I mean, one of the things I, I've always found is that, you know, as an engineer, if, if you have time to actually dig into the whole business problem that you're solving, you know, you're just so much more motivated by what you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, here's a, here's a spec, like, let me go, you know, like nobody really wants to do just that, you know? And so I think, but sometimes it's pretty hard because it's like, you have a lot of minutiae to get through, right? So I think the first step is just like, can we use this technology to get as little focus on the minutiae as possible? Not to the detriment of products, but like, well, maybe we can increase the quality while we do that too, you know? And, um, and I think it'll just let, let everybody pick their head up just a little bit and just say like, okay, like, how can I actually, like, what are we doing here? Like, what are we solving? Is this the best way to solve it? You know, and I think the line at Google, honestly, between historically between like software engineer and product manager, I don't think product managers write a ton of go to Google, but I think software engineers play a lot of the product manager role as well. And I think that's really good. And I think over time, as we've just seen in our company, there's just like a lot of code and a lot of maintenance and a lot of things to do. And they've started doing like more and more and more software engineering and a little bit less of the product. And so I'm ho- I'm excited about kind of rebalancing that because I think just people are so much more motivated when they get that time back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other reality is like, if you're, you know, a full-time coder and especially if you're a rusty coder, that's me. Um, <laughs> like there's just a lot of tedium. Like there's a lot of For like, sure. oh, how do I do this boilerplate thing again? And like, I just want to focus on the innovative idea of this product that I'm building. And so this, you know, that's what this does. It, um, uh, you know, I think in the limit, you know, if you think about coders or magicians, they can make things appear and, you know, do things. You, we may, we, we're, we're bringing in more magicians in the limit, but, but really we're just automating the kind of TDM in a lot of ways is, 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 and maybe that's not ambitious enough to say, but that's, that's why I think when you see the developers in Shoreline today, they, when they saw a studio bot, they're like, oh yes, hell yeah, yes. They're not worried about their job. They're worried. They're like, this is going to make me so much more productive. So it becomes how do you use the tool right. to be creative? Exactly. Be I can be more, right. Yeah. right. I can be more creative, more innovative, more productive. Right. Uh, and it's interesting and so. that you say that the tedium of this, because what, it's easy to hear that and be like, and because I, I will take a step back. 
I do know, you know, I was participating in the club twit, uh, discord mm-hmm. for, for some of our members during the live, sh- the live event and some of the demonstrations, right? Like writing, composing an email, you know, that you write in a couple of words and then it, you can expand it and everything yeah. like that. Some of the people were joking, you know, well, this is all like, you know, baseline, like tedium stuff. Like why this is so not creative. Why are we kind of, you know, writing to this level? Why doesn't it elevate? Why doesn't it this or that? And when I really thought about it, I was like, but wait a minute, like a lot of what we actually do in our lives are, is very tedious. Right. You know, yeah. the, the forms that we create, the, the, the uh, standardized emails that we send out to people to ask, hey, can you blah, 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 blah. Oh, a lot blah. of that is incredibly <laughs> tedious. Yeah. And these here, systems right? are just mirroring what we're already doing. Right. So if we don't actually have to That's do right. it, but, the computer but, and it's actually it, right? it's interesting because if you think about like the evolution, now we're getting kind of more technology. Look at the evolution of technology. Like people spent days doing the laundry and then we got a washing That's machine. Right. Exactly. That, uh, that- I was literally going to make that analogy. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if you think, I mean, if you think about, um, you know, for any of the product managers that are, that are listening, uh, I mean, how many times have you, you know, late at night created some presentation deck and then you're like, Oh, I gotta add notes, you know, like, yeah. cause it's someone else is going to give it or you're mm-hmm. going to give it. And like, I just love the feature that a partner showed today where it's like automatically generate the notes from the slides and, oh, you my know, goodness. and it's just like, okay, well, now, now, now you're really starting to talk to me about what can help me, you know? Right. And so I think this is where like AI can really be made a little bit more understandable. And, um, and, and frankly, uh, I think I've heard so many people today talk about like, just when can I use it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I was there signing up for every wait list. Yeah. <laughs> like, every, like, Let's go here. I'm like, sign up, sign up. Right? Well, that's so. kind of the beauty of it. When can I use this? How can I use this? And the, how can I use this is, well, just keep using the apps you're already using. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eventually this button's going to appear. That's right. Or however that is presented. That's right. I think it's that pervasive and I think it has yeah. that broad an impact on our products. So that's exactly what is going to happen. It's just going to, it's going to permeate and appear everywhere. Um, yeah. Yeah. So switching gears, I mean, like staying on the AI topic, but like here, you know, the, you know, Google IO keynote, like you mentioned it's a consumer keynote, right? Very focused on what it does. Historically, a lot of the conversation at IO has been around the next version of Android. I don't think you guys said Android 14 once in the keynote. Was that by that design this year or how does that, you know? Yeah, yes and no. Yeah. Um, I mean, Dave can elaborate a lot on sort of how we've been evolving our thinking around that. But I, just like taking a quick step back, one of the realizations that we had is, you know, as the consumer keynote at, it broadens its audience, you know, um, you know, it used to be long ago that IO, like most of everybody that watched it was a developer actually. Mm-hmm. And, over time, what's happened is it's become more than just Android. It's become more than just developers. It's kind of like the whole Google narrative. And um, what's interesting, actually, just as a quick sidebar, is that um, a lot of the folks who are Android developers would tell us, could you all just take a quick step back? But like, before we get into the, the APIs, could you just tell us, like, what are you trying to do? You know, yeah. so, so it was, you know, because developers are, developers are users too, you know, and so they're, they're kind of, they're consumers as well. So they're interested. So I think what we wanted to do in, uh, when we talk about Android or really anything is just talk about it from a consumer experience standpoint. What will you get this year? That's cool. And yep. leave the vehicles uh, to the details um, because I, people, a lot of folks, I mean, I think, you're the audience that listens to this. And I think all of us here, we're like pretty interested in those vehicles, you know, like what's in Android 14, what's in this, what's in that. Um, and so that is important and we should, we can go through that. But I think for the general audience, what we realized is that they just want to know what's going to be new and mm. that they're going to get it all, you know? And so we took, we just sort of take it from that perspective and, instead and of we, chopping it up. 
we have more vehicles. I mean, we've been, you, you probably noticed we have these like quarterly spotlights and that we lean into, we have vehicle, you know, we can update apps independently of the OS. We've been able to do that for a long time. That, that apparently that was innovation for some people recently. Um, uh, and uh, still feels pretty innovative. Uh, today. <laughs> I know what it was like before all that, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the way it is now, but it's miles different. I love and it. And then we have, and then we have like play system updates where you can actually, li- we could like, we can literally update the virtual machine on an Android, ver- Android S, you know, version and increase performance by just changing the VM with an updatable module. Like we have like very sophisticated update mechanisms in Android. We probably don't talk about it enough. I mean, we like can roll these AB updates. We can test them, roll them back. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Um, and then we have, and then we have like Google Play services and we have like Jetpack libraries. And so we have all of these vehicles. And so exactly what Samir said, and actually like maybe a little bit of inside baseball, we used to like, when we did our product planning, we used to sort of have like, we'd write an at a glance sort of summary docs. We'd be like Android 11 at a glance. Now it's like Android 24 at a glance, right? Like we just think about the year right? and, and then we talk about the different, you know, we talk about what we want to do to, to Samir's point and what we want to deliver. And then we have the vehicles That's sort of a subtag. So. So there's multiple vehicles as well as the core OS. So. When you said 24, I immediately thought, wow, you guys are planning on like 10 versions <laughs> ahead. Or <laughs> I was blown away. That's amazing. But it's funny you mentioned that because I, 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 the one the, during your demo, I think when you, you giggled when you mentioned Jetpack with the, yeah. uh, with, with, oh, the, with the, the drag yeah. and drop Jetpack composer, yeah, yeah. the drag and drop library. I'm sorry. I was like really excited because <laughs> I was getting ready to like write my own system, but I was, that was great. It was, I, it was like almost nice. wins. Uh, I, I was like, just in time before you. No, no, we play the Compose uh, drinking game on the show where every time I get to talk about Compose, uh, we uh, win takes a drink. But then it's a little more confusing now with Magic Compose, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. We um, we may or may not have changed the name of that 24 hours ago. Um, <laughs> it's yes, it's this is how we do product design. Uh, yeah, Compose is ma- we should talk about Compose another time. Compose is amazing. I love Kotlin and Compose. It's like so elegant. It's so nice. I just I keep telling folks internally who don't code at Google like this is so good. You realize like. It's really nice. Anyway. <laughs> I bet it, but I mean, it connects to other things that we've talked about. And as you mentioned, you're trying to take the minutia, the boilerplate out of yeah. daily life, whether it's sure. a developer or a consumer. And yeah. so I feel like the, it feels like the, the, the roadmap, the game plan, the last few years, at least from a developer's perspective has been, Hey, do you actually want to have time to think about the product level or the higher yeah. level engineering? So yeah. it all kind of fits. Yep. Yep. What you, this? yep. Yeah. And to be clear, when I say TDM, it's like, there's, it's sort of like, what's not tedious is when you're innovating and using the code to create this, here's my idea and I'm bringing my idea to life. What's tedious is like, how do I close the camera handler again? Or like the camera object, like, with the camera, well, I know the camera one API. That's the thing where you're like, that's the tedium part where you want just the bot to be like, oh, here's how you do it. Oh, yeah, paste the code. Boom, done. Let's go. Um, oh, there are about like dozens of developers cheering when I think one of the uh, examples that Jamal gave for the, uh, sorry, for the, um, um, uh, Android Studio bot was remembering to put internet position, uh, internet permissions. Mm. So just oh, yeah, for, the, right. for the, for yeah. the, for the, for the audience, every everyone single, hits that. Every everyone time. has forgotten <laughs> yes. to, to give the app internet permissions. Yes, so that's, definitely. that's kind of one of those things yeah. that this will help us. I with. think I do it every time. I every single create time. something yeah. I forget. Like, why is it? Oh yeah. Uh, internet permissions. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe I said camera handle. That dates me is you can guess what <laughs> system I, I started with handler. I mean, we can guess which operating system I started with. Anyway, enough of that. All right. I'm here again. Just real quick. Twit news is brought to you by ACI learning. The days of boring, archaic training methods are finally over. 94% of CIOs and CISOs agree that attracting and retaining talent is becoming increasingly critical to their roles. ACI Learning's private boot camps actually get your team up to speed on a technical project or certified on the latest 
technology. So you can be entertained while you train. You can feel empowered to keep your organization safe and secure. The training industry's completion rate is barely 30%. Well, ACI Learning blows its competitors out of the water with an over 80% completion rate. This is the format that IT professionals actually want. ACI Learning holds ISO certification, so you know your business is still in the best hands possible. Fill out the form. Just go to go.acilearning.com slash twit, and you'll get more information on a free two-week training trial for your team. All right, more interesting stuff coming up right now. <laughs> well, uh, so just to go back just real quick on as far as Android 14 is concerned, yeah. considering everything that we've just talked about the past five, 10 minutes, what would you say is the story of Android 14? It, I would say it's more... Um, this release is a little, sometimes we do very like uh, user-facing sort of visual changes. Like when we brought in Material U, that was a really yeah. big one, right? Um, I think this one is more, what's the right word? I mean, plumbing just sounds too negative, but it's it's uh, under the hood sort of architecture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, making this up on the fly. Um, Which is maybe not a, like a sexy, like right. it's not, someone, <laughs> someone sees yeah. that and, and they're but, like, oh, I've got to have Android 14 because yeah, yeah. it's got under the hood right. architecture changes. But but it, but it like it's, it's important. It's faster. It's got higher performance, right? And so we did a lot of work on, we have two projects, the code names internally, I don't mind sharing them, is, is um, Snowbird and Falcon. And I, the way I think of how I remember snow is the S sounds is close to Z, which is freeze. Okay, I'm losing myself here. But, uh, and what we're doing is uh, we're trying to reduce the number of uh, the impact of broadcast. And so what we often find is, you know, Android has this idea of a broadcast and an app can listen to it and the app can wake up or come out of a cached state and you can get like thundering herd issues and you can get a lot of churning on the IO on IO. And so what we're doing now is we're not actually taking, um, we're actually allowing apps to basically stay cached for a longer time. So we sort of queue up all the broadcasts for an app and then wake the app up and go, here are your broadcasts rather than one at a time doing it and it's coming in and out. Um, and then another one we're doing is like, uh, if there's a broadcast like battery change, it happens all the time. We sort of batch them up because it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't care that which one, you just need to get caught up. And you do, so you say you collapse it to one. So that's an example of, and that makes a huge difference because it's sort of fundamental to operating system. So that's, that's uh, Snowbird. And then Falcon is about um, really refining our foreground services. They tend to get, these are the notifications that pop up for an app and you can't swipe, the ones that won't swipe away. But they're an important in a way because it's tell, it's kind of conferring to the user that this app is running right, right. but it's pesky um, and so what we realized was like okay well first of all like w- there are some legitimate cases where you want that and then there's some cases that are like probably not ideal and so, so you know so one case that was they were kind of I would say misused is the wrong word but they were used for that because there was no other choice was like when an app needs to download some data like maybe it's a weather app and needs to grab a snapshot of the data or it's a news app or something and so what we've done is we've basically created a new set of foreground services there's not one for data instead there's now a new API job basically for taking for data that doesn't require a foreground service and then we've categorized the rest of them into like is it a camera is it a health app is it you know a location or something like that and so what you should hopefully see over time is less nuisance foreground services Um, and so and that will also help our performance. So that's an example of like one of the things we're doing internally. Um, Health Connect's another one. I don't know if you want to mention that. Yeah, health, a big change. Health Connect's another mm-hmm. one. So, you know, Health Connect, um, I think for a long time, we have been uh, ha- focused on helping people connect different health services to each other, right? 
And that's important because, you know, if you have a Peloton device and, uh, you know, you have Peloton at home and you have a, you know, wear watch and you have an Oura ring and a Withing scale, you're like, oh, I got to like, how do, where do I go to like dock all this information? It's actually your, it's actually in, important to realize that you're building your own personal health record. You know, you're, you, you, there's what happens at the doctor's office and then there's what happens with all this information. And so in, in the ideal future world, you'd be able to dock all that together, right? And then share it with only the, who you want. And I think there's going to be a lot of new insights that come from that con- you know, connectivity because your doctor today doesn't really have full access to that information. Um, you know, they don't track that and, and, and you don't necessarily have all your records either, you know, in your hand. So being able to bring all that together. So health connect is a, um, is a system that sits on your Android phone to uh, essentially manage the data flows between those things and do it in a safe uh, in private way where you can, where you provide access uh, for data to move from one uh, app to another. Uh, and it's all in your control. It's all on the device. It's encrypted. Um, and uh, so we made that part of the platform. We've been working on it independent of the platform and we decided it, re- it reached to APIs and so forth and reached a maturity level where it's not part of the platform. So that's, that's really exciting. Um, Is that a mainline module as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yep. exactly. Exactly. And the, the other thing I wanted to quick mention is, you know, we've been working on, on security and privacy every Android release. So it would be you know, like a miss if I didn't mention a couple of the things. One of the things that I'm pretty excited about that we're doing, and, and it seems small, but I just wanted to mention it because I think the impact will be outsized for folks who really care about this, which is, you know, when you're giving an app permission, for example, to location, right? We, of course, added um, a while back uh, while in use permissions, right? Mm-hmm. But now from the safety labels, the data that you, you up, when you upload your app to play, you fill out a thing called the safety label, which is, you know, what, what, do, you, what do you do with this data that, you're, that your app collects? Well, that information from the safety label is now piped through to the notification, to the, to the prompt, the permission prompt. So when it asks you, uh, are, uh, you know, do you want to give this app location permission? actually a little snippet there from their safety label, which will say this app does share data with third parties for location. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is like, yeah, that's information. Cause when we, we, we realized that we're like the safety label and then we looked at the permission and a lot of times you answer the permission and then you're like, wait, but the safety labels mm-hmm. over there information I could have used. Right. So we pull that in now, which I think is a really like, it's a small insight, but I th- actually think it's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple other things that so on privacy that reminded me uh, we've uh, improved foreground services we intend so one of the issues we've seen not so much in the US but I mean Android is such a huge platform globally you know we've seen some abuse where apps sort of will launch a full screen intent takeover of the phone um, and so now we've changed the policy so that really it can only be like a clock like an alarm clock or a dialer uh, which are kind of what you would expect to do it and nothing else and so that's it, it might seem like a small thing but it's important um, a couple other things to mention um, th- this one is not this is not so obvious that's why I want to mention it is share sheet so mm-hmm. one of the challenges we have with share sheet is um, we went deep everybody on yeah. 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 <laughs> it is not our it's not our proudest moment I'll be honest. it's and, okay it's okay even even on even some of the google apps have their own custom share sheets yeah. and so what we've been doing over time is improving the system one uh, and so for example we've improved some of the custom targets on share sheet in android 14 but what's not really easy to understand from blogs and stuff is that we now have a plan for all the Google apps to adopt the system share sheet. <laughs> so you'll see, because now the share sheet's brought up to a level where they, because they had a valid reason. Each team at Google had a valid reason to have a custom thing, just like anyone building an app. And so now I think we've got, we've, I think we finally got to the, sh- the system share sheet to a level 
that is uh, where the apps need them. And the Google apps are, you know, pretty sophisticated set of apps. So, so you'll see over time, um, you'll see sort of, you'll get, you'll see more coherence coming. <laughs> uh, right. uh, so that's one thing that's not clear. And then um, to, something that's hard to pick up from blogs. The other one is uh, Ultra HDR. That's our fancy name for, um, so, so HDR is like high dynamic range, right? So you've got like brighter range of colors effectively. Um, and one of the challenges is like, you can't just introduce a new format because then if I share a HDR photo to an app that doesn't understand it, it gets desaturated. So we have a, a new approach where you have a JPEG and it has the standard dynamic range in the sort of main body of the JPEG. And then we have a gain map that goes alongside it uh, in the, in the, it's in the file format container. Uh, but it means that if an app is savvy and understands HDR, it will take the gain map and then expand the SDR to the high dynamic range. It doesn't change the color space. Color space is the same. Um, uh, and so that's a way of us introducing uh, HDR in the platform. And why is that important? Well, you know, I think one of the things is we have these amazing cameras on many devices like a Samsung or a Pixel, but they, the photos tend to be the best taken from the camera. And when you then use the social networking app to take the photo, it's not so good. This will help mm -hmm. those cases. Um, so that's but no new file call. format. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like just, just, just JPEG. Yeah, JPEG, yeah, that's great. yeah. yeah. So, a lot, actually, a lot of what we do is like, how do you introduce these things with a sort of a back compatible approach uh, that doesn't make things worse as you're as yeah, everybody's right. catching up? And so that was one of those things that took a little while to get right. Um, yeah, but that's a, some. Of the, I was just looking at my little notes here, to trying to remember. There's so many. There's so many other things. I mean, system UI. We talked about the lock screen clock which was just something that a lot of people asked us for to customize. And it's like, I mean, it feels like, like that's been a long time. It's been a long time ago. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. We were I, mean, I mean, you know, within the realm of yeah. Material U, mater yeah. you know, uh, this idea of a device that you can make fully customizable. Yeah. And then it, the clock yeah. is kind of like, well, what about that thing? So, about the thing. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so we got, we got around to that and no AI was harmed in the process. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then custom, custom shortcuts, which is what was, was what we were requested. A lot of people requested as well. Um, the other thing that we're doing, it's still not um, GA or whatever you call it, generally available. It's it is predictive back, but I'm really excited about it. It's this thing, you know, back is such a core concept in Android, yeah. and and so the challenge is like storied history. It has a storied history, and the challenge is like you know you're you're deep in end activities, and you come back to the final one, and now it's gonna you're gonna fall back to home, but you don't know, and so predictive app shows you a peak, an animation peak. Mm -hmm. We were planning to launch it in 14, but it just wasn't quite, the quality bar wasn't quite right. So we decided, we still we still did a bunch of work. You can still turn it on in developer options, but it wasn't quite to the, the bar we wanted. So uh, hopefully we'll land it for uh, next cycle. But um, but yeah, but, but I, that's just some, it's a cool feature that I like. That's you, you mentioned clocks. I wanted to add one more uh, clock thing, uh, but it's not for phones. It's for, uh, for watches. So we have... Um, this uh, watch face format that we introduced, um, which is which is pretty cool. It's this, uh, um, you know, it's it's declarative XML file, basically XML format that uh, works with um, this watch studio. So you can with this, you know, sort of IDE interface define a watch face. And the reason that's cool is a, it's just like fun to design these watch faces. Um, I expect a lot of developers to do it, and there'll be a lot more watch faces, which I think for all of us who have wear watches is exciting, but. Uh, the other thing is what we found is that uh, people were kind of building watch faces in um, in a lot of different ways. And you can get yourself in trouble battery-wise uh, pretty quickly when you're designing a watch face. Um, and there are some safeties in the OS that obviously help with that. But, you know, you can you can go ahead and get yourself, um, you know, kind of run up against the rocks. Um, and, and, and so what's nice about um, the watch face studio is that uh, all that code is generated for you. And as you, uh, as the platform gets, uh, 
adds new capabilities for improving the efficiency of the watch fa- of watch faces, including more offload to like the little processor that's on the device, et cetera. The watch face uh, studio will just like recompile and you'll get all the benefits of that stuff. So you don't have to sort of like recode your watch face over and over again, which is pretty neat. Yeah. I imagine developers love when those kinds of things are made, you know, yes, please. We <laughs> less, <laughs> less reliant upon mm-hmm. your, your absolute attention to it. But of course it's always there. Okay. I promise just one last interruption here. Twit news is brought to you by ACI learning. Technology is one industry where opportunities outpace growth, especially when we're talking about cybersecurity. One third of information security jobs require a cybersecurity certification and ongoing training is critical to avoiding redundancy. Let ACI Learning help you choose the best certifications for your career and uncover the suitable funding options to help you pay for your training. Don't just land a job. Start a secure, lifelong career. ACI Learning is with you every step of the way with binge-worthy, on-demand, virtual instructor-led training. All you got to do is visit go.acilearning.com slash twit to learn more and use code twit30. You'll get 30% off a standard or premium individual IT Pro membership. All right, one more time, back to the show. I know that we're running a a little bit short on time and we haven't even talked about devices. So why don't we spend just a couple of minutes just kind of focused on how Android is kind of relating how the, some of the changes to Android over the last couple of years, right? We're talking about every 12 L. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like today was the culmination of what a couple of 12 L being like, we want to, we want to embrace larger screen devices. And we're like, hmm, wonder why. And then we find out the tablets. Coming, yeah. I, and now I mean, fold, this yeah, is I mean, of, actually that when, when you were asking like, what's Android 14 about, you know, that's kind of where I was going to go, which yeah. is, you know, there is a ton of, as Dave said, you know, behind the scenes, you know, work that's been done, but, um, to be honest, it's um, it's a culmination of multiple releases, you know, 12L, which is kind of a bit of an off-cycle release uh, that we did. But because we really wanted to start getting this in the hands of uh, device makers and developers, because we when we saw foldables initially, you know, start to to hit the market and take off, we were just incredibly fascinated by this form factor. And, you know, Android usually leads in, in these form factors. But I think one thing that we could do a better job on is, you know, making sure that we hit that polish level more quickly. And so with foldables, we just saw an opportunity to say, hey, wait a minute, large screens are a thing, you know, because of this new innovation, it's an opportunity to reinvigorate that whole category of devices all the Mm -hmm. way from tablets to foldables and and kind of like the different size factors in between. And, um, and so what you see now with with this release is, and you saw Dave demo a whole bunch of this, like it's very powerful, um, and and the developer capabilities are there. Um, so it's it's easy, it's not complicated to build apps that make take advantage of drag and drop and so forth and so on. You know, we have set ways of doing it, so it's not a choose your own adventure. You can <laughs> always do that, but at the same time, it's nice to have defined, clear paths for mm-hmm. golden paths for people to walk. Um, through to, to make this happen. And, um, and I think that uh, what you're, we're now on, you know, um, uh, nth generation of foldables, right? And what I really want to give a lot of credit to the Samsung team here, um, you know, mm-hmm. because I think they pioneered a lot of this. Yeah, they paved, they paved the way. Yeah, they super paved. paved the way. And we, not only did they do that with their hardware, but we've worked with them really cl- closely. Like this is the first time that uh, Pixel is launching a fold, but, mm-hmm. you know, Samsung's had t- uh, a number of foldables up until now. And we've worked with them on every single one of them. 
And a lot of the features that you saw today, actually, um, a lot of the innovation was done in tandem with them. And a lot of those components are actually shipping on their current devices. Um, and so what's really nice is we've been able to kind of build this category together. Um, and now, uh, people are, you know, jumping in and, and, uh, and, and making it even more interesting category of, you know, you have, uh, Oppo and Xiaomi and, and, and Google and a whole bunch of other companies jumping in. So we're super excited about it. And I think that does come all together in 14. Yeah, for sure. And then with the pixel tablet, of course, like we, we, we've talked a lot about tablets cause we feel as if, you know, the tablet space in Android is very murky because, you know, iPad dominates in terms of, you know, people think of tablets, you know, I have a, a proud owner of a Lenovo tablet. I use it all the time, but they tend to fall under media device or I use it as a, instead of a Kindle. Yeah, um, right. But now with the Pixel tablet, it seems like you guys kind of, you know, returning back to that tablet uh, spec, but, you know, f- over 50 Google apps being developed to optimize for it, to yeah. take advantage of it. Yeah. You know, other apps like Calm and Disney Plus optimizing it. It's a kind of a chicken and the egg kind of thing, because yeah. in order to get developers to put the resources into adapting their apps, there need to be users. But exactly. in order to be, you know, yeah. so how do you guys approach that from a developer relations it, standpoint? I mean, it's always been that way for any, yeah. even when we started Android at the beginning for mobile. And I, you know, I was really close to the start, you know, helping start Android TV. It's always it's chicken and egg. It's precisely yeah. what it is. And you just sort of got to ooch and scooch and make a little bit of progress. <laughs> and then the apps come in and they make the platform. And, the platform, and you just have to iterate. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, I think it's, it's important for Google to lead by example here and that means that you mentioned the you know over 50 apps so we need to sh- you know show that we are committed i think it's important for google to have hardware in the tablet space and show uh we're serious about it um and that you know that will help push forward and then you know more developers come they see us do it so you get more developers on and, and then the products get better and then more developers come on and that's how you do it one of the things you'll see we had a blog post today about some of the third-party apps uh you know mm-hmm. some of the big names and you mentioned peloton i think that was in the article mm-hmm. Um, and you'll probably, you know, we're planning every, you know, I don't know what the exact cadence is going to be, but we'll have a series of blog posts because we're working with so many third-party developers and we'll show the progress. So this isn't a sort of a one and done for Google IO. This is a, this is a path. Um, and the momentum is really good, you know, um, uh, and then the, you know, the pixel tablet, I think is, is a really nice product. I think you saw the, the foldable work, um, that I demo today and it, all that translates to tablet too. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is really nice. And then, um, I think one of the things I really liked about the Pixel tablet, just to talk about that product for a second, is you know it's very simple. It has a dock, so it's always charged, right? So I've had yeah, this, yeah. I've had this thing for a year and in my home, and it's like awesome. It's like oh, my tablet's ready, great. Well, and it's, and it's a satisfying yeah. click. And it's yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's very That's satisfying, so right? <laughs> it just pops right on there. But I, I did I find that actually a, like a, a pretty unexpected, compelling moment from yeah. the keynote where. You know, the the presenter, I'm blanking on her name, but she had the tablet in the Rose. drawer. Rose. Yeah. Rose, that's right. And the drawer opens, the tablet's in the drawer, and it's dead. And I've yeah. been there a million yes. times. Yeah. It's like, just yeah. give the tablet a home. Yeah. Give it a home yeah. where it can get yep. the juice that it yeah. needs so that it yeah. can be, you know, your companion. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just, it's it often the simplest ideas that are most powerful. And then, yeah. you know, it has this nice speakers. When you dock it, the audio seems to translate. And then you sort of, you sort of extrapolate this, and you're like, okay, so it's on the dock. And it's on a nice angle. Okay, so let's make it proactive. Let's have information that's useful for me. Or right. I turn off the light and it will dim its screen and it will turn into a clock mode. And now it can be a photo frame. And now it can be it can be a, basically a Google Assistant. So it's a, basically a home hub now. And now it can be a controller. And so, you know, it's sort of just all And falls, hey, we're, we're Google. Out. We've done a lot of yeah. like, like exactly. art displays. Yeah. Yeah. So we can do that over here too. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You know, that, that was kind of what the question that popped up in my head. Like, is this a tablet first? Or is it a smart display first with tablet? You know what I mean? In which direction? I mean, all of the above. But I mean, yeah. I, I mean, as an Android person, like I'm, I'm most excited about 
it's a tablet first, you know, and I think, I think, so. I think if you talk to the team in so. Google, they'll tell you it's tablet first too. Um, cause it, it has to be, it has to be like, well, actually, you know, actually it's one of the premises at the beginning is like, it has to be a, a great tablet first, yes. you know? And so that was a focus. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I know we got to, we actually, I'm looking at the time we got to round things out. Do you like, have we missed anything that we need to throw out there before suddenly we don't have our opportunity? I got to say anymore? satisfying click. So I'm checking a chuckle from the, we were in the, in the, the, the product uh, demo pit for the press and, and the the woman from Google was over my shoulder and I did it and she's like it's nice isn't it <laughs> yes it really is she knew exactly what I was doing yeah. <laughs> well we are delighted every time we get a chance to come to Google I.O. even more delighted when we get the chance to speak with you both um, just really want to thank you for taking time out of what is always a crazy day Google I.O. keynote day uh, to give us like 45 minutes of your time is we're just over the moon. So thank you very much for carving out. The thank time. you. And, uh, we, we, uh, we love what you're doing and, and the fans of, of, uh, of, of this podcast are, are really important to us. So thank you so much. And we're fans too. So thank yeah. you. Right on. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Dave Burke, Samir Samat, uh, we will talk to you next time, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, everybody, um, we have our live coverage. If you missed it of the keynote, if you want to hear what Leo and the crew were saying while everything was happening, you can uh, just check it out at twit.tv slash news where you find this uh, podcast as well. So thank you so much uh, here from the Google campus. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Hey, I'm Rod Pyle, editor-in-chief of Ad Astra Magazine, and each week I join with my co-host to bring you This Week in Space, the latest and greatest news from the final frontier. We talk to NASA chiefs, space scientists, engineers, educators, and artists, and sometimes we just shoot the breeze over what's hot and what's not in space, books, and TV. And we do it all for you, our fellow true believers. So whether you're an armchair adventurer or waiting for your turn to grab a slot in Elon's Mars rocket, join us on This Week in Space and be part of the greatest adventure of all time.